Hello, I'm Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson & Terry Recruitment. I'm Mike Foster, the entrepreneur's mentor. And you are listening to an edited version of Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike, uh, which airs every Sunday at 11am on DAB Digital Radio across Oxfordshire and online at getradio.co.uk. Our show introduces you to local trusted experts, whilst we also talk about topics that you, the listeners, tell us is impacting on local businesses and their owners. For copyright reasons, we cannot play the songs mentioned in the show. Uh, but for more info and business wrench related content, please do head over to getradio.co.uk. I definitely recommend it. Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Good morning. This is Get Radio and welcome to the Business Brunch with Better Mike. My name is Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson and Terry Recruitment and indeed the Oxford Business Community Network. And I'm Mike Foster, the entrepreneur's mentor and also the head of marketing and events at Oxford Head Injury Services, the brain injury charity formerly known as Headway Oxfordshire. Now, you'll know by now, but our show introduces you to local trusted experts whilst also discussing topical issues impacting on local businesses. And today's show is definitely on both those points. I'm really looking forward to today's show, not just because it's my birthday, but because we're covering one of the hot topics of business that we're facing right now. And on today's show, we're looking forward to welcoming our guests who are Barry Ross from Crossland Solicitors, Rebecca Thompson from CNC and Becca Warmington from HR Central. So Ben, my usual question for yourself, when developing our business, we need good people, we need talent around us, but that can bring joy, but it can also bring some challenges from a HR and an employment law perspective. So what are the hot topics right now that employers need to consider? That's a great question, Mike, and it's a very big question. And the exact reason that we put three absolute experts together to share share that insight with you, the listener at home. This is the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. We'll be welcoming our three guests after this. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Um, today, I'm really delighted to be joined by three absolute experts in the world of HR, employment law, and indeed all things people. So let's introduce them. Let's start with um, Barry Ross of Crossland Solicitors. Welcome, Barry. Uh, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Really looking forward to this. Ah, oh, thanks so much. Um, so let's start by telling the listeners all about you um, and indeed Crosslands. Sure. So I am an employment solicitor. I've been with Crossland Employment Solicitors for 12 years, slightly scarily, um, this month. I am one of the partners and directors of the firm, and we pretty much do what it says on the tin. We are an employment practice. The majority of people that we that we work with are businesses ranging from one-man bands right the way through to FTSE 100 companies, helping them navigate the myriad of employment laws and problems that surface from day to day when dealing with people. Thanks so much, Barry. Um, So next up is Rebecca Thompson of the CNC. Welcome, Rebecca. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, So I'm Rebecca Thompson. I'm currently HR business partner at the Civil Nuclear Constabulary. Um, So we are uh, an armed police force and protecting nuclear facilities and materials across the UK. Um, And we currently employ about 1600 officers and staff um, across the UK. Um, So I started my career in HR about 10 years ago um, and very quickly specialised into internal recruitment. Um, So I've been doing that for about nine years. um, And in my current role, I look after the recruitment of all of our head office function staff um, at the CNC. Amazing. Perfect. Um, to continue the team of the theme of Rebecca's, um, welcome uh Becca Wongson of HR Central. Please tell listeners all about you, um, and indeed HR Central. 
Thanks for inviting me on today's show, Ben and Mike. It's great to be here. I'm Becca Warmington. I own and manage HR Central Limited. Uh, we're based in Goring on Thames and have recently celebrated our 17th birthday. So happy birthday, Mike, too. Um, we partner with our clients throughout the employee life cycle from recruitment all the way through to advising on HR-related issues, whatever they may be, and um, that, that just rise through their, their team's employment. Um, we also provide cloud-based HR information systems, online training systems, and applicant tracking systems to ensure our clients represented as their, by us as their outsourced HR provider as employers of choice. Um, we engage our clients as if we were in-house HR, but we charge on an hourly basis. Uh, most of our long-term clients are SMEs based in the Thames Valley, but we also service the needs of clients nationally. Amazing. Perfect. I'm, I'm going to come um, to you now, Becca, with a tough question, uh, <laughs> a question, definitely the toughest question, uh, which is your song choice. So you have chosen a song for our listeners this morning. What's your song choice and why have you picked it? Uh, my song choice is Elton John, your song. Oxfordshire Station, get radio. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike here on Get Radio. Before that song, you were listening to the introductions of our three expert guests with us today. And as I said in the introduction, certainly believe that you're going to get loads of great information from our um, guests today. So as Ben always says, make sure you've got those notepads and pens um, to take copious notes. Uh, Barry, I'm going to bring that first question over to yourself today. I guess where we need to start is what's the hot topics that you're seeing in industry right now? What's the, what things are the topics that people are bringing to you from a HR and employment law perspective? I always find this a bit of a difficult question, but so I really appreciate it off the top, Mike. Um, I know it's your birthday, so I'm going to let you get away with it. In, employment law is so different from business to business and company to company. But a few things that we, I can tell you one that's sort of a, a hot topic as of today, right to work checks. So the fines are going to be implemented, uh, or rather there's be a huge increase in the fines that are going to be implemented from the start of 2024 or before the start of 2024. So currently, if you haven't done that correctly and you employ somebody illegally, the fine is up to 15,000 per employee, which you might think would be enough of a deterrent on its own. That is getting tripled to up to 45,000 per employee. So slightly scary start to the show for people. Um, there are a number of other sort of pieces of legislation change that are being proposed and are likely to come through. The government's got some something that they're targeting called the smarter regulation to grow the economy. Um, things like the working time regulations, which, as we know, we've got retained EU case law that requires employees to record working hours for all members of the workforce. That's looking at getting removed. Rolled up holiday pay is going to be allowed under those regulations. So workers could receive their holiday pay with every pay slip rather than having to take holiday as opposed to what's currently allowed. And actually combining, in, in employment law, you have two types of leave. You have four weeks leave that's based on EU law, and then you get an extra 1.6 week, uh, weeks of leave, which is purely a UK entitlement. That's going to be merged into one pot of statutory annual leave um, whilst maintaining the normal, normal leave entitlements that we have within the UK overall. So things like that are going to be implemented. So there's a lot of changes on the, on the horizon and a chunk of that comes from part of leaving the EU and what that's going to look like. The, the, the bonfire of employment law rights that we were promised hasn't quite materialised and there is some discussion about whether that's likely to come in under the slightly snappier titled retained EU law revocation and reform bill and try and say that three times backwards fast 
but that's looking slightly less likely as the government is running out of time bit by bit. So I think that's the main thing in terms of things we're seeing. It's going to be some legislation change. But in terms of a day-to-day approach and things that I see more frequently, I don't know about uh, Becca and Rebecca, but one of the things we're seeing a lot is challenges with employees and, and their mental well-being uh, in terms of the workplace and how that applies. Uh, obligations that employers have to, to try and address that, their duty of care, whether that leaks into then the Equality Act, disabilities, whether people are suffering with depression, uh, and what obligations are then flowing from that. So things like making reasonable adjustments for those for those staff as and where applicable. I think that's quite quite common. And unfortunately, it falls on both sides. We're seeing some circumstances where employers aren't doing enough, I hasten to add, not our clients. But we're also seeing circumstances where employees are are, are using that as a, a card to try and perhaps get away with things that they, they might not otherwise do. So I would, I would say that's definitely one of the, the, the hot areas of discussion at the moment. Amazing. Amazing. What, what a great way to start the show with, with such insight, which was, was certainly predictable, Barry, certainly predictable. Um, Rebecca, I'm just going to come across to, to you and, and really talk about, um, I guess it's been widely reported that we're in a candidate-driven market, the cost of living crisis, um, all of these negative things that we're, we're seeing on the news. Um, what, what are you guys seeing at the CNC in terms of, I guess, attracting candidates? What, what, what are the, I guess, the key things that you're hearing and seeing? Uh, so I think from my perspective, uh, what we're seeing in the market at the moment is a lot of candidates are looking more at the flexible working, uh, remote working, you know, more of the work-life balance side of things. So salary, you know, obviously is always going to be a, a huge defining factor in someone, you know, looking at a role or accepting a role. But I think with the, the post-pandemic, we're still seeing that the flexible and hybrid working is a huge thing that that people are questioning before they've even got to that interview stage of, you know, how often am I expected to be in the office? What does the annual leave look like? You know, what are the the other benefits, not just the money side of things. So it's definitely something that we're we're seeing and we're trying to encourage the, the wider teams to look at of how often do you need these people in the office? Can we be a bit more flexible with people? That's great insight. And I guess, Becca, we can link yourself over to both of those, really, because I know as a, an organisation and a business that you're supporting others in terms of you help from the HR side and from the recruitment piece. And I saw you nodding when both Barry and uh, Rebecca were replying. I know you do the right to work stuff and obviously the recruitment. So, so, so perhaps give us an insight on, on both of those sort of things that we were asked before. Yeah, I think... I- In addition to what everybody said, I think there are lots of issues in relation to retention at the moment. So we've seen a real drop off in the recruitment for our clients and they're really focusing on the retention of their employees. Um, along with managing people on a hybrid basis. So the right to work checks, we we do those as a matter of course. And actually, because we supply a lot of the HR information systems for our clients, we do go over that with a, a fine tooth comb and everybody has to be compliant if they work with us. So we do regular audits and anybody who starts, we do their onboarding. So that's all checked. So I think... Um, from for our clients, particularly, it's not it's the right to work issue isn't such a big ordeal. Um, we also um, administer the sponsorship licenses for our clients. We can access those through um, through immigration lawyers that we work very closely with. So again, um, we, we're just checking uh, that they're all compliant and making sure that everybody has the right to work. Um, but I can see from what Barry says that it, it should be a massive deterrent. I mean, £45,000 fine for a small business is a massive amount of money. Um, 
we're also finding that uh, the performance management issues that we're experiencing within businesses are, are a huge ordeal at the moment um, because the recruitment's dropped off. People are looking internally at what at the skill sets that they have and also the differences in, in managing people on a hybrid basis. I think we've all got used to working on a hybrid basis uh, flexibly, but it, it, it does require different management techniques to do that. So it's, there's a massive variety across the recruitment all the way through to the HR issues that we're experiencing at the moment. Um, and, and it doesn't seem to be any kind of theme, you know, depending on the size of the company. It's, it's across the board. And um, some of the employee relations issues that we're experiencing are, are fairly hardcore right now. You know, I think people are looking internally and looking at the skill set and the attitude um, that they have within their business and making sure that it works for them. Oh, amazing, amazing, um, Barry. I'm going to ask you sort of quite quite a simple question, um, if if that, if that's okay, or, or may, maybe simple is the wrong word, but but maybe start of a process question is, is maybe a better way to to phrase it. Is around there'll be lots of people that are listening who who may have staff or maybe thinking about employing their first first, first staff member. What what are the things from an employment law? point of view that they need to have in place, e.g. things like contracts and employee handbooks, et cetera, et cetera. And, and how, how do they go about that? Sure. I, uh, I like simple, but it, it's not, it's never as simple as it sounds. Um, I, first things first, we, we've already talked about making sure you've got a right to work. So before, before they step foot in the door, you've got to make sure that exists. You also have a day one obligation as an employer to make sure that they've got an employment contract. And that's got to hit a set number of criteria in order to be compliant. After that, things like needing to have a, a handbook and policies, there's no, there's no legal obligation on you to do it. And very often, a lot of small businesses, when they're starting up for the first time, won't have those things. That's not necessarily my best advice. I think it's a good, good place to be because it helps to lay down some, some guidance and rules and policies about how you operate as a company but also not just that, how, how you expect your employees to operate on your behalf. Um, to be honest with you, but, you know, other, other than making sure those sides of things are covered off, there's not a lot from an employment law point of view. You know, you've got to make sure they've got a, a safe place to work, um, that you've undergone those types of obligations. But, but it, it's a lot less complicated than you might imagine in that respect. Brilliant. And talking about sort of processes, Rebecca, from a recruitment perspective, you know, what I find when I'm working with my clients is they find it fairly straightforward to design the job description, not necessarily design it for putting it out to market, but in terms of what the role should include. Um, They have some idea about the type of person they're looking for, but then it's sort of like, how do we find these people? And taking, I guess, Ben's business model into to, to consideration in terms of the headhunting approach. Are you seeing it's more of a requirement now in, in recruitment that you have to go and be a bit more proactive rather than just using job boards? Yeah, definitely. I think with the combination of the, the candidate-driven market as well, it definitely, you know, if, if you just place an advert on the internet, it's not necessarily going to get the the return that, that you're looking for, particularly in those specialist areas or you know, specialist professions, you know, entry level roles, you're going to have a bit more luck, but you have to be a little bit more creative and a little bit more attractive for those specialist positions or people, you know, who are fully qualified and whether that's finance or procurement or whatever sector that, that you're looking at, um, you do need to be a bit more creative and actually put your put yourself out there, get your brand out there um, and, and sort of be 
at the forefront of people's minds, but also, you know, the direct sourcing approach and, and headhunting, you know, using LinkedIn and, and you know, approaching the, the people that you need pretty early on rather than sort of waiting for them to come to you because it is so competitive. You're, you know, you're not going to get that return just from just from popping an advert onto the Internet. Amazing. No, thank you so much. Um, Rebecca, I am going to stay with you um, with the second of the three tough questions of this morning, which is your song choice. What is your song choice and why have you picked it? Um, so my song choice is At Last by Etta James. Um, it was the first dance at our wedding. Um, so <laughs> I've chosen that given it's almost our wedding anniversary. This is the Business Brunch Podcast from Get Radio. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. And before that very fitting song uh, by by Rebecca, we've been speaking with our three experts all about um, employment law, HR, and really um, people in general. Um, Becca, I, I just want to um, bring the conversation um, ac- across to you, really, um, and and I think that there's that there's two things, isn't there, with with the world of employment law or HR? Is there's um, what what is the law, and um, 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 what is um, what, what does legislation say? And then I think there's the doing the right thing and, and being a good employer. Mm-hmm. How how do you see with your clients and and employers in general how to really kind of balance those two things? I think legislation always has to come first. Obviously, you have to be compliant. Um, But then there comes the softer skills and the softer side of things, making sure that people have the correct induction, making sure they understand their role, that they have the right training for their position, that there are regular check-ins. And going back to my point earlier around managing people differently from a hybrid perspective, it's about understanding their work-life balance, making sure that they have everything they need in a safe environment. So if they're working from home, ensuring that their, their homes are set up properly to work from home compliantly. Um, but it's, it's, it's also ensuring that they are part of something, being part of a team, because working on a hybrid basis can be difficult and tricky sometimes to facilitate that team working. So we're working really hard with our clients to make sure that there, there is that team working, that people do feel part of what's going on. Because if you feel isolated, you feel fed up, you're not getting the training that you require, you're more likely to leave. So there's a huge emphasis on retention at the moment. People are doing a lot of hard work in the background, as Rebecca said, to find clients, you know, often headhunting, spending a lot more time making sure they find the right person. Once that person's in post, we have to make sure they stay there. And and the retention side of things is imperative at the moment. Hey Barry, you wanted to extend on that? Yeah, just a little bit. It, just from a employment law side and some of the questions that we're getting. So one of the things that a lot of employers are finding is that they have uh, just a fear of making sure that people are getting back into the workplace in certain circumstances and not understanding what, what rights they have where people have worked from home, let's say, for the last two, three years, and the changing changing dynamic, one of the points Becca made there was about wanting to be part of a team and feeling part of a culture. And that's absolutely right from a personal point of view. But from, uh, from an employer's point of view, very often people work far better collaboratively. If you're working in a creative industry and you need people that are in the office and bouncing off each other, and you're terrified of inviting a number of people back into the workplace on that basis because you're concerned that you're going to, to lose talent and it comes back into that question of retention. Sometimes actually understanding that you, you do have a right to be able to say as an employer that in the circumstances, your job is going to be from here, whether that's three days a week, four days a week, whatever it may well be, if that suits the business model. 
Um, and it's it's something that we see a little bit more prevalently in, in the press at the moment because there's talk about having flexible working rights from day one rather than the current regime. So people think that there's this ongoing right to constantly be able to to request to work from home or work flexibly or work from the Isle of Man or wherever else around the world that you want to, which isn't necessarily true. So it's just making sure that people understand what they, they can and can't do subject to their own businesses. Uh, just building on that a bit, Barry, because one of the things I was going to ask you directly is something you said earlier when we were talking about the challenges around employees and their mental health, etc. Mm. is um, I'm going to use the phrase wing it, you know, that people <laughs> wing it that they are ill or they're um, unwell in some sort of state. So, and, that, and that's a, th- a thing that's really difficult for employers to to deal with. So is there some sort of steps or things that you can recommend to employers that might be listening to say, you know, how you can take it seriously, but also if they are winging it, understand if they are winging it? Yeah, it, it, it's a difficult balancing act. There's no two ways about it. At the end of the day, as employment law and HR experts, we're not medical professionals. And we have we are to a degree in in their hands. So let's say somebody takes Mondays off or Fridays off repeatedly on a, on a long term basis, and they say, "Well, I'm sick." You've got no evidence of that um, being incorrect, and to a point, you have to to listen to what they have to say. But if it's always a Monday or a Friday or a Wednesday, and it happens repeatedly, you've got a pattern of behaviour that you could take them and discuss and you know, challenge in that way. If you've got somebody that's off on a slightly longer term basis, it might be a case of speaking to them, talking about working alongside their GP or occupational health, understanding what the conditions are, if they're appropriately looking after that individual's needs. Um, And then you very quickly get to the bottom of whether somebody's winging it in that regard or not. Is it genuine? Do they need support and assistance, which they absolutely should get? or is this a circumstance where someone's swinging the lead? And if they are, you're likely to find that out pretty quickly by getting involved with medical professionals, trying to, to get a bit of additional information from there. Really, really good advice. Really good advice. Um, I'm j- I'm just keen, um, Rebecca, to talk about talk about benefits. Um, so, so, so I know that your um that that your employer are are certainly strong strong on the benefit side, but also um you, you work with people that that also are or, or necessarily not not so. How how big of a factor do you think benefits are? Whether that be a big pension or whether that be flexi time or whether that be health insurance, like what 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 do you really? What would be your advice to I guess small businesses that are potentially considering what should their benefits package look like? I think I've found that candidates, it's not a one size fits all. Um, So I I think we're very lucky where we are that we have quite a range of benefits, Um, you know, from a a good pension to to lots of annual leave, the flexible working times. Um, So, you know, it, it helps us when we're talking with candidates to, to kind of have those different benefits because, you know, not all of them might be that attractive to, to everybody people will pick and choose which bits that they like the sound of. Um, you know, for example, we found that younger people are looking more at the the annual leave and the flexible working, whereas maybe older um, people joining us are interested in the pension. So it's, I think for us, it's really making it accessible for everybody and trying to, to have your benefits as inclusive as you can so that you're not just assuming what people are looking for. Um, I think it's important to to have that 
range, but also to to communicate that with people and not just assume, you know, someone might be interested in X benefit because of this or because they're, you know, of a particular age, that kind of thing. So I think it's definitely important to to really communicate those and, and communicate them from the outset as well, because actually, you know, if your salary you know you've you've got um funding for, for whatever salary that you can offer but actually the benefits might outweigh that for somebody and mean that they do apply for a role within your organization so i think it's important to be open and honest and communicate what those are and you know kind of leave it up to the individual to to decide what works for them not just assume that it, it would suit them because it suits you yeah very very good and, and Rebecca, I just curious because obviously I, I know your business fairly well. You've supported uh, a fair few of of my clients, and what I, what I love about what you offer is the strategic piece and the reactive piece. And I personally see it too many businesses think reactively. I need I need a HR requirement because something's just blown up in my face. How important is it to strategically look at your like? people strategy if you like even if you're a small business so that you've got something that you're planning towards versus just reacting when there's a problem so is that for me mike yeah sorry <laughs> um yeah I, I think the strategic piece is is imperative from day one because once you've got your first employee invariably you may need a second and it's about about where your business is heading you may have to pivot and just decide that actually you need maybe a bit more than you thought on your job description. So when, we give, when we're given the job descriptions by our clients, we sometimes challenge that um, perception of what it is that they need because they may need a, a bigger base of skill set to take their business forward. Um, but I think the strategic planning, once you have employees, you need to be looking at their careers. You need to be able to motivate them to stay in line with the business needs. So if you've got a plan of action, it's best to share that as much as you can. Obviously, you might not want to share all that detail, but to share as much as you can with the employee. So they're on that journey with you and they can really get behind what you're trying to achieve. And I think there are too many business owners that don't communicate fully with their employees. Um, I think the appraisal and the feedback process is essential for anybody um, who's taking on their first employee. Amazing. Really, really, really good advice. Um, Barry, as with Becca and Rebecca, um, it's now your turn uh, to pick a song. Uh, so you have chosen a song for our listeners. What's your song choice and why have you picked it? I've gone for Queen, I Want to Break Free. So for two reasons. My um, my little boy had Pop Star Day at nursery and he's obsessed with planets. And of course, we were trying to find him somebody and he chose Freddie Mercury. Had never heard a Queen song in his life, but had to learn all about that in the first bit. Um, and I've actually been unwell for the last week or so. I haven't left my house at all. So this is the first time I've left. So I very much am breaking free. Discussing topics that impact local businesses and their owners. This is the Business Brunch Podcast, sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Welcome back to the Business Branch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. And firstly, we're privileged to have Barry uh, with us after the first time he's left his house in a week. So thank you for that, Barry. Um, so so now, now, Barry, I just want to talk a little bit about um, uh, understanding, really. Um, so, mm-hmm. so, so I think that a lot of organisations... Um, have social media policies or they have um restrictive covenants and contracts um who whose responsibility is it to make sure that the staff member understands that is it the staff member is it the employer and i guess what advice would you give to either party to make sure that the other party does understand ignorance isn't much of a defense 
in employment law would be the first thing that I would say. Uh, but if you're looking at things like social media policies, restrictive covenants, you're, you're look, talking about making sure that you protect your business. Mm-hmm. And I think what's most important is as an employer, as a, as, as a, as a corporate entity of any type, being transparent, open, and reasonable in the approach that you take with those types of issues is more likely to yield what you want. So for a social media policy, you don't want anybody going on there and doing anything that, that's going to embarrass the company or drag its reputation down. Equally, you don't want them to be embarrassing themselves. You want them behaving in a manner which is befitting of the professional that they are and, and the employee of your company. And as far as restrictive covenants and things are concerned, the same applies. What you're looking to do is to protect your legitimate business interests. So what you don't want is an employee who's going to leave and let's say solicit customers and clients for for a certain period. Let's say it was a sales role, for example, uh, and they were dealing with uh, customers and clients on a regular basis and they wanted to pick up shop and leave. What you don't want is to then lose that business. And that's a perfectly legitimate business um, aspect to protect but you can only protect it for a short period of time insofar as it's reasonable to protect that legitimate business interest. So if you outline all of that at the start, it's very clear to the employee as well as the company what you're trying to do, the chances are greater of that actually happening in the first instance. So you're not going to have to deal with it. The last thing any company wants, and frankly, any employee, is to get engaged in a a seriously expensive restrictive covenant high court injunction battle. Um, No one really wins other than the lawyers. Although I advocate that. Um, so I, I think that the key thing is is communication. Yeah. A lot of a lot of law is about being reasonable and communicating. And I think that very much rings true here. Yeah. It's really interesting that you you and Becca both used the word communication in your last uh, responses. I believe that whatever relationship we're in, it's all about communication, isn't it? Ultimately. So yeah, really, That's really true. cool stuff. Rebecca. Uh, one of the things I'm seeing from um, well business in general, but particularly in recruitment, is pace. You know, in terms of sometimes the businesses are probably slower than they need to be to react to first interview, second interview, offer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the client, oh, sorry, the candidates' expectations are, you know, I need a response tomorrow, sort of thing. So, how are you seeing that, and and how does that relate in, in your business in terms of the, the pace of recruiting? Yeah, it's definitely a huge um, thing at the moment. So I think it's it's always been important, but I think particularly given that we are in such a candidate-driven market and employers are, you know, in competition with each other for these candidates, it's it's not, you know, it, it's not easy to, to keep hold of people. And I think by elongating the process, it, first of all, you know, is going to increase your risk of, losing the candidate to someone else who can move a little bit more quickly Um, but also I think it's about the engagement for that individual as well if you have applied for a role and you don't hear back for two weeks and then you've got an interview in in a week it it kind of disengages you from that process and kind of makes you think is this somewhere that I want to work when you know I've applied for a role and they haven't communicated with me quickly Um, are they that interested? And I think it really does start to make a candidate doubt whether or not they want to join an organisation that that isn't moving quickly for them. So I think having to to try and get through the processes as quickly as you can does definitely help. Um, but equally, it's you know that balance of making sure it's a thorough and fair process at the same time. Um, but I think it definitely 
it definitely helps keep that engagement up with the candidate if, if you can move them through quickly and communicate with them a lot throughout that process as well so they know where they are and they know where they stand with you brilliant no really really good point um becca one of the things that mike and i've learned since since presenting this show um for gosh two and a half years now time wow. flies um is um that we shouldn't presume that the listener knows um everything and shouldn't presume that the listener knows what we know um so i think one of the questions that might seem obvious that i really want to ask you is what is outsource hr because i know that as a recruiter i see in a lot of businesses they don't have any HR function at all. Um, so I think it'd just be really useful for you to share what is outsourced HR. Okay, thanks, Ben. Um, it's a question we get asked a lot because obviously we use that in our marketing and we're trying to answer those questions all the time. So we're probably going to drop the outsourced HR because it is one of those terms that I think most HR people understand, but not many other people do. Um, but it's it's really where you haven't got the HR capacity within your business and you need to pull on it from uh, time to time, maybe for recruitment, maybe for a, a, an unscheduled um, incident, so uh, some conflict that's that's arisen within the business that you need um, sorting out, or just a compliance issue. Um, a lot of our clients come to us and ask us to do due diligence for maybe a sale of their business, um, or a GP transfer, or anything really related to HR. So because we charge on the on an hourly basis. Um, potential clients can come to us and ask us to do anything really from an HR perspective. And if we can't do it, it might be an occupational health assessment, helping them to get through a, a particular issue in relation to um, sickness absence. It could be anything in, uh, related to HR. We've got a really big black book of people, experts, lawyers that we work with um, as well. So we can refer our clients, potential clients on to them if, they, if we can't answer the problem for them. So basically, it's if you don't have HR internally, you can pull pull it in as and when you need it as a business sort of evolving business that might have HR issues. Fantastic. I'm, lo- I'm loving this. I've, I've, I've made more notes than um, a notebook, Ben, so I don't know what I'd have to do. <laughs> but, Get um, Darren on to here so you had a new notebook. <laughs> so I think um, what I wanted to, to bring over to yourself, Barry, because I think, again, I think as business owners, we, we're not HR specialists. We're not necessarily people managers we're technical experts if you like and it's one of the things we fear as business owners is managing people um and what we tend to avoid is difficult conversations and when something comes up in the business that's difficult to deal with we perhaps put that aside a little bit and hope it goes away but it just can manifest can't it and get worse and worse so what can you advise business owners in terms of you know when to get involved in the conversation at maybe the right time what type of records to keep etc that can help their their case if, if ever needed I guess it depends on the type of conversation you're going to have, what we're talking about. So let's say it's a major misconduct issue. Somebody has come in and behaved appallingly. That's something you've got to deal with straight away, whether you like that or not. If you fail to deal with it, you sit on it, you may lose the opportunity to deal with that at a future date. If we're talking about something far more minor, we're talking about minor behavioural issue, that actually may resolve itself on its own. Maybe it's happened once and it happens a second time. You might, you might do nothing about it. If it happens a third time, you might, it might be time to start having a quiet word. What I would generally tend to do or generally tend to advocate if those types of issues come up and it's a point where you start needing to address it or you think this could be become a problem in the future, make a note of it. Make a note of when it happened, put it, put it on your own record. 
And then you've got the ability to recall that later on. One of the classic things that you get is, is employees that are being, that you want rid of because their performance is no good. And when we say, okay, when was the last time you spoke to them about their performance or the, the, the way that they've done their job? And the answer, because people don't like having difficult conversations is, oh, never, I've never mentioned it. It's a much harder process to go through quickly if you've never discussed it at that stage. So you could be kicking the can down the road for months and months and months, but then cause yourself a further three to six months worth of wait had you addressed it early on. It, it, honestly, it's six, one half dozen the other in, in some circumstances. But think about what all I ever ask people to do is think about how long you would want to wait to deal with something. If you had to make a decision about removing an employee or helping to actually manage that employee and help them to understand that what they're doing isn't right or their performance isn't at the level that they're expected, can you give them a chance? Can you help them to improve? Yeah, performance and capability management is meant to be just that. And I know Becca touched on this earlier on. You're meant to be trying to get that employee to improve. It's not simply just a tool to utilize to remove people that are underperforming from businesses. Yeah, training, sitting down and explaining what it is, you might find that you end up with an employee that is exactly the one that you wanted. And we all know how difficult recruiting is at the moment anyway. And I know Becca, I'm sure, wants to talk about this as well. Yeah, I, I think for me, it's more about, and it can, it, you're absolutely right, Barry, it, it's choosing your moment, but it's also training the managers and when they should deal with it. And we work very closely with our with our clients to make sure that those issues are addressed within a timely fashion and the right records are kept. And, and sometimes it, a, cl- a client will come to us and say they've had three or four sleepless nights about tackling this issue where we can write them a little script maybe even jump on the call with them just sit side saddle with them make sure that they aren't aren't saying something they're getting into hot water um, with but once they've once they've done it once then they'll feel more comfortable about doing it twice so my advice to any business owner is really to lance that boil to get the advice to make sure you move things forward not always at pace but just to move them forward so that you can start a process and so that everybody's clear on what's expected because there's nothing worse and it goes back to the communication piece yet again you know there's nothing worse than having an atmosphere in a small business where the person doesn't know what they've done wrong but actually the the manager's holding a grudge so it's it's just making everybody's life a lot easier but it all goes with education at a senior level and and from the employee's perspective too really good advice really good advice um, Rebecca, one of the things that um, we often um, see when when talking to graduates is graduates want a career in HR. I want to go and build a career in HR, and and uh, and I think it'd be quite a good time to ask ask your advice. What what would have been your advice um, ten years ago when graduating to um, to to I guess a graduate now who who is looking for that career in HR? Yeah, so I think it's it's definitely one where you come out of university and you think this is the career I want to work in. I want to work in HR and that's the first job that I will take. And I think it can be a bit disheartening because it doesn't always work like that. People won't always get that dream career straight away. Um, I think it's important to have in mind what you want to do, but also to accept that maybe to get there, I might not get the route straight in. Um, you know, Some people will be lucky, I guess, and get the, the the dream job straight away. But I think for the majority of people, it's about getting that work experience. Um, and I think that is the most important part. So whether that's taking, you know, in, in HR, in, for myself, for example, 
working in an office environment and getting those transferable skills helped me to five months later start my career within HR and actually I think it's about educating people that you're not going to come out of university and necessarily go straight into that role but the importance of going to a job from another job and getting those transferable skills and and sort of evidencing when you're then applying for the dream career um you know what you've done and and how your work to date has impacted that and how it could make you more attractive and actually that is the key thing it's it's the experience that you gain and what you do with that so not necessarily just jumping straight into that first role and being disheartened when you know if you don't get it it's it's about building up your experience and building your cv right great advice and uh yeah i'm, I'm sure uh, again we could uh, explore that a bit further as well becca i wanted to so like touch on something again uh, that i'm knowledgeable about your business in terms of you know, we've covered a huge amount of areas today on the conversation. And as we've said, it's, you know, we can't really say it's definitely going to be this hot topic or that hot topic. It's personal to the business that you're you're um, dealing with. But like me, I know you like to be organised. I know you like to help your clients organise. And we've talked about difficult conversations. We've talked about sick day patterns. And I know you use um, some software um, to help and you recommend that your clients suggest using, you suggest your clients using that software. So tell us a little bit more about that and and how that can help the businesses. It helps the businesses um, with all manner of ways. Um, We can jump in and out as HR professionals and help them to... uh, to help manage that system. And it also gives us access to the notes of meetings and letters that have been sent previously. Um, But it's also one place in the cloud, secure, securely to to keep everybody's documentation safe. And I think going back to the um, employer of choice, when somebody starts in a new role, however small that business is, if they're organized and the employer says, right, here's your uh, HR portal. Here are all your documents in one place. Here's your holiday entitlement. This is how you book your holidays. We like to record the sickness. We do monitor sickness too. So if there's a problem, we want to support and help you through it. But also we're keeping that under constant review. I think it sets the tone of how you manage your team going forwards and that you care. You know, I think some of our clients have had this system implemented and they've just got one or two employees. But as they've scaled, it also helps them to have that process in place so that they can scale easily. Um, because there's nothing worse than trying to calculate holiday and uh, sickness on a spreadsheet and not keeping it up to date or having a, a locked drawer with all of the paperwork in there and you can't find the contract when you need to refer to it. I think that transparency and being people being able to see the documentation that governs their employment is really key. Um, you can have performance management processes through it. You can store all sorts of sickness absence. Every document that you have in relation to someone's employment can be stored on there. There's endless storage. And the beauty for us is that we can jump in and out and help support the client as and when they need it too. So you know, there there are lots of systems available, but we we tend to focus on just one one company. Amazing. Amazing. Perfect. Unfortunately, that is the end of the show. I would have absolutely loved to have gone on for another hour. It's certainly one of my favourite topics, but um, that is the end of the show. So thank you so much um, to our three guests, um, Barry Ross of Crosslands and Solicitors, uh, Rebecca Thompson of the CNC and Becca Wilmington of HR Central. Um, thank you so much to the three of you for providing such insight um, to, to our listeners. And, and as Mike said, I'm sure they've got very full notepads. Our pleasure. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you. 
But you've been listening to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike here on Get Radio. And wasn't it so nice to learn what Ben's first dance was at his wedding um, so, so many years ago? Um, for, for next week, we've got something a little bit different for you, actually. Uh, ben and I are going to reflect on some of the previous shows of 2023. We're going to reflect on some of the things and the hot topics in the news and give it a little bit more extension of the information that was shared in those specific shows. And just a reminder, you can catch the show on a Sunday at 11 o'clock via the radio, your DAB in Oxfordshire or online. And the show comes out on a podcast on a Monday via your favourite podcast platforms. And you can enjoy the video version via the Facebook page of Get Radio or via their website every Tuesday. But for now, enjoy the rest of your Sunday and we'll see you next week.